We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast, the go-to place for personal and spiritual development because around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high-performance coach and breathwork facilitator, and each week I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as we pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration you need to unlock your inner champion. If you know in your bones that you are meant for more in your life, you just can't seem to get out of the self-sabotaging patterns, then I need you to listen up. I have created a free 90-minute training to help you get the secret to creating and unlocking sustainable success. Yes, sustainable, because this is not burn yourself out working so hard to create success that you can't enjoy because then you're too tired and quit. This is about creating long-term sustainable success year over year for yourself because one, you deserve it. Two, the world needs your impact and your influence, and it's time to stop struggling with the stop-start mentality and starting projects only to struggle with the follow-through. That's what I help you to do in my free training. The Secret to Sustainable Success Masterclass is available totally for free. Just go to the link in the show notes to grab it today. I quickly want to thank our sponsor, Camuso Design, which is an incredible company that's revolutionizing the way that we deal with stress. They have developed a beautiful and organic way to reduce your stress and help you calm down and feel better simply by using your breath. And not only do they make you feel good, they make you look good because this design is absolutely beautiful. They have necklaces for men, women, and children, and you can get 15% off your order today if you use the code JUSTBREATHETORY10. That's JUSTBREATHETORY10 for 15% off. You can check the link in the show notes to purchase today. Stephanus, thank you so much for being here. I'm very, very honored to have you as a guest and just to have this conversation. Um, you are somebody who has 
I don't know if you, you realize this, but has had a significant, um, significant impact on my life and are a um, big contributor to why I do what I do today. And I just want to welcome you and say thank you for being here. No, well, I didn't know that. And so I appreciate you and thank you very much. Yeah, I um, don't know if you remember this, but I, I am sure you remember uh, the trip that you and Christine led in Maui a couple years ago. Um, yeah. But I was on that trip and um, I was in a point in my life where it was a significant defining moment for me. I think that trip was um, met me at, at a point in my life where I felt like the universe had set me up for this, uh, this, this awakening that had always been available to me, but I'd never really taken the time to do the work. There'd been multiple things in my life that had, um, happened all at once. And I went into that trip thinking, okay, this is my opportunity to really, um, to really, do the work uh, that I had been avoiding for a really, really long time. And it was on that trip that I um, not only found freedom in being myself, but I also collided with breath for the first time through your breathwork practices, which I went on to, to become a certified um breathwork practitioner. And, and that's I, a big part of my work. And yeah, and you, um, you and Christina have been massively in, in involved in that. And so, um, thank you. And I kind of just want to start by, um, caring from you, like with all of your levels of expertise, whether that's in energy or breath or masculine and feminine dynamics or inner child work. Um, can you take us back to a little in your journey and how have you gotten here? Like what have been maybe those defining moments for you in your life that really um, kind of set you on a path of committing your life to doing, uh, doing this work and helping other people find that, that same freedom. Yeah. For, for me, the, the defining moments have really circulated around being at the edge of my pain and the edge of my threshold and not, you know, seeing my life and looking at my life and looking at how it's unfolding and that I'm the epicenter of that. I'm the common denominator in my life for every experience that I have, for every relationship that I'm a part of. And watching so many of those relationships break down and so many of the dreams that I, I have and I have had, more so I have had, um, really slip away from me and, and look at myself and, and be very diligent with how I'm looking at myself and seeing myself come up with excuses like oh this business didn't happen because i was in the wrong partnership or this business didn't happen because i didn't have enough knowledge or i didn't have enough money or the markets aren't great right now or this relationship didn't work because we're not meant to be together and you know we're not a right fit and but really not taking deeper responsibility for myself not taking deeper responsibility for what are the patterns and the habits and the the psychological beliefs and the emotions that just keep playing over and over again that are leading to a life resulting in essentially unhappiness and, and being immersed in undesirable states. 
So it wasn't until I really started taking, uh, I don't want to say control, but because it's more than control, it's, it's a mastery, it's an exploration, it's a, a deep dive into the pl places of my own self that I've been avoiding, right? Like my shadows, so I'm um, feeling numb in the world, um, avoiding um, big feelings that probably needed to be felt, such as, you know, childhood trauma that I experienced, that I, ex that I repressed and did not express, and that just keeps looping in my nervous system, right? And, and that just keeps having me play out particular patterns and uh, behavioral patterns and, and, and relationship patterns that just keep trying to protect me from feeling these very big feelings that ultimately need to be felt but in a safe way to regulate myself to then be free of that pattern to keep doing the same things that keep getting me the same shit that I don't want mm. and so it wasn't really until I looked at all of that started to at least look at all of that and I still do by the way like it's not uh, mm. it's, a, it's an ongoing process it's just different layers of it like mm -hmm. you, you know when I as part of my identity there are many there are many parts of us that form our identity right like for me I'll give you a few like I'm a, um, I'm a uh, husband I'm a man uh, I'm an athlete I'm an adventurer I'm an explorer I'm a seeker I'm a friend, I'm a brother, like these are these, are, and I've got so many more identities. We all have these sure. multiple identities, so to speak, right? That, that form who we are. Yeah. And we'll give more weight to others at different stages of our lives. But when I became a husband, so to speak, uh, I saw myself differently. Like in the old, maybe wounds that I was working with, um, they layers of that started shedding. And, and so I had to go into that again. So maybe that old aggressive pattern or that passive aggressive pattern that I would play out in previous relationships, this level of commitment that I made to Christine, to my wife, it was just different. And so when I would be passive aggressive, I'd have to deal with that and look at it from a very different lens and a different vantage point because I, before I wasn't a husband or before I wasn't, you know, 30 something years old, I'm three years older now, five years older now. So it, all of that makes a difference. And so we're always unpacking ourselves. There are moments where we have integration, where we're not needing to go deep and explore, right. so to speak. And so there's more like a, like a, I don't want to say passive, but like a calm that occurs, right, mm -hmm. in our exploration of self and our psyche. Mm -hmm. However, we're constantly unraveling and unpacking ourselves. So for me, it was just a deliberate choice to go down there and commit to that and make that part of my identity, make that part of my life, to be an explorer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I relate a lot to that. And noticing those patterns was the first step in my life too, of, of recognizing why do I keep feeling this familiar feeling or why am I continuing to create, or I didn't even think I was creating at the time, like find myself in these situations that are painful. Um, and I had this choice of like, do I deal with the pain of having this thing happen over and over again, or the perceived pain of actually addressing it that I had not yet experienced. And, um, yeah. and so I hear that one of the things that you mentioned right before we started um, recording was um, the dynamic of working with your inner child when it comes to doing the work of whether that's self-discovery or healing um, or integration. Can you talk about that work and how it's shown up in your own life and, and how um, how do we start to develop a relationship with our inner child and why is that even um, significant? Yeah as we start to do this discovery. Yeah, for sure. So um, very interestingly enough, so on the 25th of September, 
um, uh, 2021, uh, Christine and I released a, she released a podcast through her own podcast and we actually went really deep into some inner child work, right? Mm. And the reason why that happened is because the day that we shot and filmed that, which was a few days earlier than the 25th of September when it released, like this last week I've really been in, um, you know, the various aspects of self and the inner child work, right? Mm. I had a, a conversation with my mother that was just really unpleasant mm. and it triggered a lot of stuff in me. My mum and I have a pretty good relationship. Like, actually, we have a really good relationship um, and she just really upset me. Mm. Well, rather, I should say how she behaved um, and, and the conversation we were having, the big feelings that came up for me were some real old feelings, mm-hmm. right? And I started, I actually unpacked them live on that podcast with Christine mm-hmm. because yeah. it literally happened an hour and a half, two hours earlier. And I, I said, you know what, we're about to do this podcast. Why don't we just get real and actually go in? Yeah. And so it ultimately, you know, reflecting on that. And then the interesting thing is like the next day, after we filmed that podcast, I was going into ceremony mm. and that was going to really, that really unpacked a lot of stuff. And there was just so much that came through that again, around that, that, that little boy that, you know, didn't really get what he needed in the way that he thought he needed it, the way mm. that he perceived he needed it. So it brought up a lot of big feelings around sadness and being alone and the patterns that I created around numbing from that and, and being angry, like really angry. Like I was very angry as a kid, but I suppressed it. Mm. As a teenager, I didn't suppress it. I went wild with my anger and my rage, lots of violence, lots of fighting. But as a kid, and that wasn't enough though because it was unconscious. And so as a kid, I still had all this repressed anger. And so the conversations that we were having, I was having with my mother, it just it brought up a lot of stuff for me. And it wasn't because she said something, like I chose to respond to that, but what it indicated to me was, oh, I still have charges around this that I wouldn't be able to access this level and this layer of charge if I hadn't been aware of it and done inner work around this previously. So we sometimes get confused and we think, oh, but I've done this before, I've looked mm-hmm. at this, I know I have this issue with my mom why is it coming up again why am I so charged or why am I so activated or angry or upset or and so so forth and the reality is that yeah you've done great work around that well done amazing and whatever's coming up now is coming up because you've done that work Mm. right because you've exposed yourself to that you've you've uh, looked at that you've dealt with that you've released that you've worked through that whatever working through it looks like for you right and so and usually that's a combination for most people, at least at the beginning is a combination of talk therapy and reflective praxis and ideally somatic therapy as well. And, um, and in a child work as well as working with those parts of us that have been repressed, the parts of the psyche that haven't had a chance to release and complete the loop of trauma in a neurological sense, right? Mm-hmm. And when we look at inner child work, what we're doing, this is the way I like to look at it, is when we talk about that nine-year-old boy or that six-year-old girl or whatever it is, we're just giving form to a part or a stage or a development of our lives that was repressed and that didn't have the healthy emotional outlet that it needed because giving something form, it, it gives it tangibility and it gives us it gives us access it's like one of the reasons why in religions say christianity for example you've got this depiction of god because when there's a form there to worship or to look at it makes it more accessible makes it more quote-unquote real for us it makes it again tangible like material as opposed to immaterial or something that's in the ether that we have to sort of make up but we're unsure of it gives us more certainty yeah i mean the the mind thinks in pictures so that makes sense correct yeah yeah and the more certainty we have the more we're able to access parasympathetic nervous system response which helps us feel safe and so we're not in this unregulated 
highly activated uh, nervous system response, such as sympathetic activate, activated nervous system response, where, where we're not able to actually settle mm-hmm. and we're very restless. And then the protective strategies that come along with that as well. So the form is really helpful. So when we're doing a child work, we're working with that part of us. It also, uh, you know, that wasn't seen, that wasn't heard, that was repressed, etc. Yeah. That was hurt, that was abandoned. But what it also does is when we're working with that little part of us, very few of us don't have the capacity to be compassionate and empathetic with little children that have just hurt themselves emotionally or physically, right? Mm -hmm. So you're able to access even deeper levels of compassion for yourself and that's where reparenting comes in as well. That's another conversation, but that's also part of the inner child work and the healing process is you're giving to yourself as an adult the whole version of you. And again, that's a part of inner child work and very not separate but quite detailed but your adult self is giving to your your younger self what you never received right and there's there's reprieve and freedom in that Mm. and just hearing you say that you kind of worked through that live on kind of on the air as it was really present for you what i have found is a lot of times I'll, I'll go through a training or I'll learn a new s- skill or tactic or modality. And it's, we're trying to, to bring up a memory from the past and retrieve it to work with it. But it's so much more powerful when you're, you're actively triggered, you're actively going through that and you, you work through it in that experiential way because it's real life. We're not, we're not just trying to, you know, think about a time where we were hurt or, or, or triggered. It's, it's actually right there for us to work with. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it's, it's really, really important for, for us to understand that, that these are the parts of us that are with us forever and have been with us since that age that we were possible that we were wounded how do you see um how do you decipher between the inner child and the ego or do you so it's interesting it's a really interesting question i don't think anyone's ever asked me that before so matt khan is a like a spiritual teacher and author and so forth and he i remember him saying once that i really like this and you know from the eastern mythology and philosophy that i've studied there's some um there's something to be said for this as well which is probably a little more complex but let me let me say this this is really interesting the ego is the soul in its infancy yeah i remember him saying that the ego is the soul in its infancy there's a number of different ways to interpret that, right? But essentially, to answer your question, um, ego is so many things. And one of the things it is is the way that we identify with the world, right? It's our identity. It's the way we see ourselves and the way we see ourselves in others and the way we think or perceive others see us as well. And the, the, way, the, the ways that we think they, they see us and how we see them as well. And so... The ego is the through line for that. And essentially that ego piece, and depending if you're talking about Freud's work or, or other other mm-hmm. modalities, but that ego piece is, is a way that we are able to navigate our environment, right? Because yeah. we're here as this individual and everything else is separate or outside of us. Depending on how deep you want to go, we get to a point where, oh, wow, there's no separation. Like we actually really aren't that separate. But again, form right when there's objects in my environment 
I'm able to be, uh, you know, distinguish the difference between the door and myself, between you and myself. And now I can have a conversation or I can engage with you in a relationship from my perspective, right, from me. And there's a sense of safety that comes from that. Mm -hmm. That's why ego disillusion is so difficult. And ego integration needs to happen before disillusion can happen, right? Yeah. The dissolving of ego. Otherwise, it gets really fucking scary, like really scary. And I've been on various, you know, plant medicine Mm -hmm. journeys where, um, that ego has been dissolved and separation no longer exists. And there is a, sometimes a period um, initially for me, not so much now, but I mean, and again, it may happen again depending on where I'm at in my life, but where separation or the acknowledgement that separation isn't real per se right. is very difficult and there's a lot of resistance to that. Mm-hmm. So when you ask about the inner child and the ego, I think it's almost one and the same, right? Yeah. And ego gets a bad rap. Yes. And for me, I don't think it should get a bad rap and needn't get a bad rap. It's actually part of who we are. It's how we relate to it. Like you said something earlier that was really interesting. Like these things will always be with us. Well, I believe they will. Like these memories, these thoughts at some level will always be with us. However, what changes, what can change is our relationship to these events, to these experiences, to these states, to the way we see ourselves, to our ego, to our self-worth. So for me, it's it's all one in the same and it's relating to it in a different way, which actually then when we relate to the past in a different way or past experiences or, or notions of self in a, in a new and empowering way, it actually changes the ego in the present moment, which what I believe what it does is it makes it a healthier version of self. The ego becomes healthier in terms of now I'm not overcompensating. Right? Like, oh, I think I'm, I'm weak, I'm wearing a mask, so I'm going to be super tough and strong to to make sure that no one sees my weakness. Now I'm overcompensating. Now I'm wearing masks that are layering on the ego, right, as opposed to just being more authentic and truth truthful about who I really am. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to do that when I, I'm able to let go of that unhealthy sense of ego, that pre- hyper-protective sense of self. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, my understanding is – the ego is always wanting to reinforce its idea of itself and fight for that that story that we've believed is true, whether that's right for whatever it is that that we maybe believed if something happened to us at six years old and that part of us that feels unwanted or unloved or whatever. And now there's a story there that I'm, you know, mom has more important things. I'm not as important. I'm not important to her. And so I've I've been just wrestling with that question myself is, is that part of me actually part of my ego story too? And one of the things that I think I, whether I heard you or Christine or, or somebody say at one point, um, is it's like the inner child. Um, if we want to call it that for, for the, purpose of of this explanation is um kind of driving when you're triggered and you've something's happened and you are feeling super activated and you immediately go into that reactive mode maybe you're controlling or aggressive or whatever it's like all of a sudden that part of you is driving the car and i heard someone say it's to your point about how we relate to it, learning how to be the parent that says, hey, baby, you don't need to drive and buckle you up in this in the back seat and make sure you're safe. But I'm going to take the wheel now and how so many of us um, are kind of just being driven 
in directions by really young parts of us that are just in reactivity um, all the time. What is, uh, for those who feel like, um, you know, how do I even start to either become that loving parent that I didn't have, give myself what I didn't have when I was younger, or just take control of my life back when it feels like I'm just barreling down the street and like knocking over things left and right and people and hurting other people. Um, how do we reel that back in and, um, actually make that part of us feel safe so that we can really understand what's happening here instead of just seeing it from the lens of, uh, past wounding or past trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So the first step is awareness and is recognizing that there's an unresolved wounded part of us that is driving the ship, mm -hmm. right? That is directing how we behave in front of people. That is directing how we relate, how we give and receive love, you know, what we allow in, what we push away, you know, the protective strategies that are playing out. So recognizing that is important. And then making a decision around, well, does that really serve me? Is that the person that I want to be in the world? Or do I really want to be coming from unresolved wounded places within myself? And most of those places, not all of them, of course, but most of them have occurred during our developmental years, our formative years, and that, that have shaped who we become as adults, right? Mm -hmm. So recognizing that's really important. The second piece is uh, nervous system regulation, right? And so in trauma therapy, you, you know, you can do all the courses you want, you can read all the books, you can even do all the talk therapy and all of that. Um, you can do all the quote-unquote work, but unless you can regulate your nervous system and you're not, you know, if you're in a hyper alert, hyper vigilant state and your nervous system actually isn't regulated, then all the learning you think you're doing is you're just, you're just layering learning over, it's basically, you know, putting lipstick on a pig, so mm -hmm. to speak, right? The, the pig's still a pig. Um, not there's anything wrong with pigs. It's super cute, but it's still a pig, right? <laughs> so putting lipstick on it doesn't change it into anything else. It's still a pig. And so learning all this new information layered upon a nervous system that's not regulated is actually not really doing anything for you. Mm -hmm. So the first step is to regulate our nervous system in terms of when you're actually quote-unquote doing the work. Mm -hmm. And that looks like, you know, grounding resources and somatic resources are two example, examples of that. And examples of that are it could be um, gentle breath work to get you in a parasympathetic nervous system response. It could be sounding. It could be uh, stimulating the vagus nerve in a healthy way, like putting an ice pack on the vagus nerve and then, and then engaging in very specific breathing techniques. Um, uh, to help you regulate yourself. It could be removing yourself from a particular environment that stimulates um, old memories, as an example. Like, you know, stop visiting your parents in your childhood home if it was really traumatic. Like, that might be a boundary you have to put up, right? It could be when you're feeling nervous and anxious and so forth, you know, wrapping yourself in a weighted blanket. I'm giving you some examples. There sure. are multitudes of examples, right? Could be drinking a big glass of water, tall glass of water and going for a walk and act, you know, moving your body in. That could be really healthy. Could be doing activated breath work techniques. So that's very important to learn how to regulate, have soothing techniques to regulate your nervous system, right? Because then you can be more open to actual behavioral change, which then changes your habits, which then uh, gives you a new perspective and experience of life, which then gives you take, allows you to take action differently. Mm. Something that's really, really important as well is, is doing this not on your own. Like don't do it alone. Yeah. There'll be times where you need solitude and you're exploring on yourself. Absolutely, I'm a big advocate of self-reliance. And 
we're relational beings and we need support. So, you know, engage a therapist, a psychologist, a coach, a mentor, a shaman, a spiritual guide, an energy healer, someone that can support you on your journey and help you see what you can't see. Now, I just want to go back to something that's really important. The regulation piece, like you're, you, you know, we may be thinking, oh, that sounds great. I want to regulate. Like, that's amazing. Uh, I want to be wrapped up in a warm blanket and a heavy blanket and then just, oh, I feel safe. Like I want to, I want my nervous system to be in passive, in a more passive state, like a parasympathetic response. Yeah. But that's a double-edged sword as well, because if you're someone that's lived your life being in a highly activated or very subtly activated nervous system response, like you're very alert, you're very vigilant, being out of vigilance or being out of alertness can actually be really fucking scary. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, that's too scary. It's not familiar, familiarity is safe, and you don't want to go into a more relaxed nervous system state. So knowing that can help you navigate your way through that, you know, like hand on heart, hand on belly. This is the nurturance canal here at the front of our bodies. This gentle touch is very important for releasing endogenous opioids and oxytocin and helping us feel better in our bodies hormonally and physiologically. So knowing that, hey, you may feel a little uncomfortable being more relaxed, tell yourself that you're safe. Tell yourself that everything's okay. Say those words out loud. Write them out. Know that that may happen and that's that's common and part of the process and that will help you navigate and move through that as well to get into a more regulated state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so critical for me because I had lived unknowingly for like 10 years in a heightened um, stress response. And I had also developed a lot of belief systems around I have to do it on my own. I'm alone. Um and I have to have this persona that I'm okay. And so I repress it, but I, but I also don't ever feel at ease. And so I was one of those people when I first, um, started to develop a relationship with my body again, and realize how much of my life had been spent in my head. It took time to develop that safety internally. Um, because I always felt like I had to be, uh, braced, for something that could go wrong or news that could hit or uh, somebody to betray me or whatever based on my past experiences. And so um, I so hear that. And for those listening, just know that that's not, you're not doing it wrong, but it's just a response of this is what has felt familiar and this is how I've survived and stayed alive. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been useful. It just doesn't proof to continue to be sustainable or useful at optimal even because it, it, um, it showed up in every area of my life. I didn't not, you know, not just in uh, my physical well-being, but in my relationships, especially being hypervigilant or, um, you know, hyper independent. Uh, and that's what kind of where I want to take this conversation, how, um, the work really applies in our relationships or in our dating life um, or in our committed relationships and the importance of um, having that foundation within yourself, especially Mm -hmm. for those who are dating, um, so that you kind of have these reference points of when do I feel safe and open as opposed to constricted and closed. Um, and is this me and a pattern of mine, or is this this person that I'm dating or this person that I'm in relationship with that is, um, you know, maybe not for me. Is this a pattern in me or is this someone else? Um, 
can you just speak to that and how these things kind of show up in our relationships? And then how do we start to decipher, is this something that I need to work on or is this somewhat something in someone else? Generally, it's, it's not um, one or the other. It's, a, it's not an either or. It's more of a both and, mm-hmm. right? Because, again, we're relational beings. And so whatever that person is doing or how they're behaving, how they're showing up, um, there's something in there for us, whether mm-hmm. it's activating us or triggering us or it's upsetting us. It's a combination of both, generally speaking, right? Um, because often what the other person asks of us or what the other person is activating or stimulating within us is the very thing that we need to heal within ourselves. And we've got to do the work to heal that and explore that. But it's a it's a reciprocated mutual effort, you know, generally speaking. Um, that that's the, the the first part, right? The second part was uh, you asked, um, uh, how do you notice it? What was the? Yes. So what's really the importance of to jump it down so there's not too many questions at once what's the importance of doing the work prior to getting into a relationship mm-hmm. and how does that show up in in the ways that that we date based on our level of relationship yes. to ourselves and our our past yes. Yeah, so I'm of the perspective that uh, I think it's imperative that people spend time in singledom. Mm. And I've, I've written a lot to this. I've done videos on this as well. Um, it, it's really important. And I'm a big believer in relationships. I think relationships, the sacred union, are the, uh, you know, deliberate, deliberately created and curated relationships, intimate relationships, are honestly what's going to um, contribute to a greater earth, like mm-hmm. a new earth. And I think it's going to take um, human consciousness and evolution to the next level. I think it's, a, it's going to be a big part of that. I believe that. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a massive advocate of singledom. Be in your own space. Spend time getting to know you, loving you, working actively working through any trauma you've experienced or difficulties or challenges that you haven't quite gotten over yet mm-hmm. or any um, unconscious patterns. I help, you know, make the unconscious conscious by working with people, being, having reflections, sincere reflections in your life, joining a men's circle or a sister circle or whatever it may be, right, and getting reflections on how you could be a more profound human being in the world and spending time in solitude, you know, being comfortable in your own skin is really important. So ultimately the quality of relationship that you seek and, and relationships are always going to teach us something about ourselves and we can also be teachers for our partners too um and and we can grow together right and it's part of sacred union is it's it's i'm here for me i'm here for you and i'm here for us and i'm here for the planet like us together what impact does that have on the planet right in a, in a positive healthy way mm-hmm. um and so you know when you're when you're going into a relationship after spending time in single you know after you break up i did a video on this the other day and i think it's been released here but you know, there's a there's periods of time that we have during during that breakup period. So we've broken up with someone, and then generally, this is what usually happens: is you have this clarity of no, I just want to be by myself for a while. Uh, being with someone, you know, two years, ten years, whatever. I just want to be by myself. I'm just going to have a break, right? And then you're moving into, generally speaking, this place of oh, I don't know if I want to be with someone. I don't want to be with someone. I don't know, right? And then we move into a place of nope, I still don't want to be with anyone. I'm done. Or yeah, I'm really clear now. I'd like to open my heart and be in a relationship. That can happen. It doesn't, it doesn't always take that path that happens. But that path of, uh, sorry, the stage of not knowing and being in confusion and uncertainty, we try and bypass that really quickly because it's uncomfortable, and we try and get to the yes or no. Mm-hmm. We want clarity. 
And what my recommendation is stay in that space, like stay in the uncertainty. I'm not saying live in it forever. I'm just saying just stay in it, welcome it just like you welcome certainty. You know, welcome sadness just like you help welcome happiness. Like it's that type of thing. Just welcome life as it comes to you because it's all part of life. And so by staying in that uncertainty, you get to know more about yourself. By staying in singledom, you'll get to know more about yourself. But be deliberate. Don't just, you know, drink your life away and, and, and work your life away. Like act, be active in getting to know yourself. Yeah. Try new things. Date new people if, you, if you're open to dating. Practice celibacy. Like do it all. Like have adventures and experiences with friends, different groups of friends and by yourself and, and experience challenge and do things that are difficult. And definitely do all those things when you're in partnership as well. And but when you go to partnership with a more uh, a greater awareness of who you are, you'll attract a, a a greater level of vibration that will meet you where you're at. But if you're coming and attracting partners because oh I don't want to be alone and I'm scared, they're wounds. That's trauma, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to attract more trauma in your life. So all you're doing is not a bad thing. You're just making it way more challenging for yourself. And what happens when we're really challenged? When we're excessively challenged? Coupled with I don't know myself, coupled with I don't know myself well, coupled with uh, I'm usually in avoidance of my shit and my mm-hmm. stuff, all you're going to do is have a peak experience of aggression and anger and conflict, then you'll break up and you're just going to repeat the cycle. Whereas if you have a greater understanding of yourself and you can make requests in your, com- in your relationship and you can have deep conversations, you can be really honest, which is very attractive and transparent, mm-hmm. you have all these conversations as you're meeting each other right as you're getting to know each other and you make agreements on how you want to disagree how you want to face challenge together how you want to deal with difficult things when it comes up what you know what are the boundaries like what do we talk about what do we not don't like, what do we push what do we don't like you get to know all of that and you're able to do that because you've got to know yourself at a deep level mm-hmm. that's really important and by default you'll give permission to your partner to also step into their courage because more than likely they'll be inspired by your level of honesty as well and you can only be that level of honest when you explore yourself and and you're not distracted by the limerence phase or the honeymoon period or hormones having wild sex and all those things. Nothing wrong with wild sex, fucking great. But if you're if you're distracted by all of that when you're quote unquote unhealed mm-hmm. or you've got you're carrying really big stuff that you're choosing not to look at or you don't know exists because you haven't made and created the space to look at it, that's gonna cause issues in relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um I'm curious, how did you know when you were transitioning out? How long were you single, if I can ask this? How long were you single before you met Christine? Uh, before I met Christine, I was single for about, uh, and I've spent many years single though as well, right? Mm-hmm. So from the age of, say, 18, I'm 39. So from the age of 18 to 39, I think I've been single uh, like 12 of those years. Okay. So two, 12, 9, 21, yeah, like 12, maybe 13, 13, 13 of those years I've been single. Mm-hmm. And um, go ahead. No, go on. Well, I was just going to ask when you were transitioning out of singleness into relationship with Christine, what what were the things that really um, stood out to you that was like, this is a relationship that is different? Mm-hmm for me like yeah. this is something yeah. I want to seriously commit to and how can someone who is in that season of, of dating um, kind of differentiate between mm. is this something that could be a sacred union or maybe is this 
just yeah. something that's fun in the moment and and feels good and gets me in my hormones and all those things but um maybe it's not a long-term commitment sure so to answer your first question i was I've single for about 18 months maybe a little more before i met christine and literally prior to meeting Christine Battle, and, and I also practiced during that period of time as I have multiple times in my life, deliberate celibacy. Mm. Um, and uh, really what, 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 I, what I know to be a no feminine diet. So there was no, you know, definitely no pornography, no masturbation, less female contact, um, no sex, none of that, right? And I really just going within and being super creative. Uh, well, I was able to be super creative in my business and in my expression because of that. Um, which laid a really solid platform foundation. Actually, a few years before that, there was a foundation laid for that, but that continued to grow. And so when I met Christine, a week before I met her, I was very clear in a meditation that I had that, oh, my heart's open and ready to be in a relationship now. And that was, you know, 18 months after a, a really painful breakup that brought up a lot of stuff within me. And funnily enough, like two months after we broke up, the first two months I was great. Like I was really in my body. I was very clear. But then some things happened. I just went dark and I went very deep. And it was all necessary as part of my growth. But what also made that distinction is like when I met Christine, it flowed very well. Uh, it was very effortless. It, I was very honest with her. She was very honest with me, like deeply honest with each other, just truthful with what we felt and what we experienced and what we wanted. I was able to make requests of her that I hadn't made before. And, and honestly, I'd been in a space where I was doing deep work on myself. Mm. I mean, I've been doing work on myself and deep work on myself from a young age, actually, in my teens, but never never the depth that I needed to go. But years prior to that, um, and including that 18 months, I'd really gone deeper. And so I had greater clarity on who I was and what I wanted and where I was going. And so having that clarity allowed me to be very clear with, oh, this is someone I can spend a lot of time with. This is someone that I would want to have a long-term relationship with. I, I I would ask her certain questions about her values and what was important to her, and there was alignment there as well. Um, there was less attachment in the sense that there wasn't this desperate energy when we met each other. It was it wasn't coming from fear, so that also was another indication for me, you know. And and we also spent three months getting to know each other digitally. Because she was in the US and I was in Australia. Mm. And so there was no attachment to like, hey, like we, we know we've got to see each other first. We gotta, and we we're going to meet. We knew that as well. You know, we've got to see each other first. We've got to smell each other. Like, you know, this may or may not work. Like, it's all great now on video and phone, but like, they're going to really, we're going to be in each other's presence. So there was just less attachment in that way as well. And so there were a number of factors that laid upon each other that gave me clarity. And, and the first was, you know, like a few weeks into talking with her, I was just very open and said, hey, you know, I'm noticing something here. I'm noticing that I'm becoming fond of you more than just a platonic friendship. And I just wanted to express that. I have no expectations of where that goes. I'm a realist in so many different ways. I'm, I'm here in Australia. Yes, I plan to be in Europe. And you plan to be in Europe. And that's all happening. You know, I've got my ticket, all of that. And I plan to pro probably go to the US. And like, but I'm not hanging my hat on anything. Mm. It was just very honest conversations and they just naturally progressed and evolved and built on each other, right? Mm. So there were many things that helped me gain clarity on, yeah, this is, the more you know yourself, the more you know what you want and the mm -hmm. more you know where you go. Like it was really that simple. And, and then when we spent time together, I mean, yeah, I, I knew within a couple of weeks that mm -hmm. This is the one I want to be with. Like, there's, there's so much to grow here and I can help her and she can help me and we support each other and we can have fun together and mm -hmm. play and, and do amazing things in the world and serve together. Like, it's just, I just knew. 
Yeah. So and is do you think as somebody who works a lot um with people who are going through working on relationships, whether that's going through a breakup or calling in a partner, do you see that that um, is common for people who are currently doing the work, who do know themselves, or even just generalizing for men? Like, do men know if they're really taking a woman seriously within a certain time frame, or is that something that's developed? Obviously, you and Christine had time to, to really get to know each other, but... Um, I think there's this um, cultural phenomenon that like a guy knows within a certain amount of time if he really is serious about you or if you're just somebody that he's, you know, spending time, like Every, just spending time with. Everyone knows within a very quick period of time, within a very short period of time. The issue is that we can't access that truth and that intuition because we're often blocked by our obsessions or our wounds or our protective strategies and so forth. Both men and women know very well and very clear whether you're a suitable mate, not only from a, a sexual mate position and a place of fertilization-driven sex, but also are you going to be a good bonding partner? Will you support me? Will you? They they unconsciously know that within seconds to minutes of meeting someone. Mm. And that, that we just can't access, we just, most of us just can't access that truth, right? I'll just go back to this, it's, which I think is very important. That the more you know yourself and the more you know what you want and the more you are able to practice, because that's another level, right? Like knowing what you want and practicing making your, your requests, that's another thing. That's another level of self-worth. Mm. And then making those requests, like I'm getting better and better every day making requests, right? Like every day, whether it's my friends, my wife, uh, and I look at myself where I was a month ago, where I was 10 years ago, like there's always growth there. But make, being able to make those requests um, and be clear in that, you give it the, the other person in relationship an opportunity to be themselves. And that's when you're both now in truth. Now you're, you're you know, you're, you're um, floating in truth. And when you're floating in truth, you can get super sincere and clear about, oh, yeah, this is actually what I want. Does this person want the same thing? Great. Oh, can they meet me there? Oh, interesting. I can meet them there too. Let's continue to explore. That's what generally happens. Mm -hmm. So for those that might be experiencing confusion with a partner or with somebody that they're dating, what, how can someone go from, I'm confused about this person's intentions or what are we or how do I get clarity to really feeling grounded about where the relationship is headed, whether that's for them or, or not. Yeah. How do you get out of that kind of confused state? Yeah. I think the first port of call that I mentioned this earlier is that, is that self-reliance. So mm -hmm. checking with self, like what do you really want? Mm -hmm. Where is the confusion coming from? Is it coming from your own insecurities or is it coming from repetitive actions that your partner is doing that you think they may not be honest, completely honest about? Right. And spend some time with that. And that may, again, include working with someone, a coach or a therapist or you know, getting reflection from other people outside of the relationship, if you're, if you're ready for that and able to hear that. And then from there, uh, I think, you know, you have to have a conversation. You get to have a conversation with your partner and ask some pretty powerful questions, you know. Mm -hmm. Nonviolent communication and imago dialogue are amazing tools for communication. 
um, where you're not projecting blame and your big emotions onto others, but rather you're able to, to really sit with um, sincere question asking and, and, and expressing your needs and your feelings and making requests and the other person gets to do the same thing as well. And just getting very, we're often very scared of a possible outcome that we think is going to make us feel less than or unworthy so we avoid the conversations and we don't ask the questions and we just try and contort ourselves or we get aggressive whatever the coping strategies are right Mm -hmm. and then that ultimately destroys the relationship because then we're both just coming from old patterns and old wounds that are playing out in the present moment that don't really have a place because we're not having the real authentic conversations that we need to have so that's what that's what i would start yeah and i think it's um an invitation into intimacy when we allow ourselves to really speak our needs and uh, ask for clarification if we need it and, and uh, enter into those possibly scary, um, vulnerable conversations of saying, hey, what, you know, this is how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? And um, going into that, knowing that we aren't guaranteed a certain outcome, but we're willing to, to share what's on our hearts anyway. And, um, that's the doorway into somebody being able to meet us there or getting clarity that maybe they're not. Um, I think to your point, it's about, uh, the story that we wrap that in and create around that. If we don't get a certain response, that means X about me or, um, it's going to trigger a, a past abandonment or a rejection wound from something else. And that's kind of what we're trying to avoid all of the time. It just sounds like doing the work on ourselves to know what our patterns are, to know when our decisions are based in fear um, instead of truth are all so critical in, in regardless of where we are in relationship because it's it's what helps to inform how do we move forward? If I don't know what my patterns are and my wounds are, I don't know how they're going to show up in this relationship or if I'm making choices that are actually um, based in truth or or based in fear. Yeah. You know, I think also uh, so many of us are afraid to ask for help from our partners because we may, we're fearful that we may be seen um, less than you know, they may they may change their perception of us or they may judge us or ridicule us or reject us. You know, again, old wounds that are amplified by old experiences. And again, I'm not, you know, your coach, your, sorry, your partner's not your coach or your therapist or by, by any means, but there's nothing, I don't see anything wrong with asking for the guidance or not even guidance. It's like, hey, what are you seeing? Your perspective, what are you seeing? Right? How they deliver that also matters as well. They can't deliver it in a way, well, well, you're just a jerk and I hate you and you are. I mean, that's it's not going to be very helpful because the person's going to be immediately threatened and then move into a defensive posture, right? But I think, you know, asking for what our partners see in us to help us be, you know, better human beings if we're open to that and then, you know, the, the feedback is reciprocated, that can be super helpful. Mm, yeah, I mean, how often in our relationships do we go to our partner and say, how am I impacting you? Like, how am I, like, what impact do I have on you? Good, bad, or otherwise. Like, I just want to know how I'm being received so that I can understand you, but I understand because there's, we can't see ourselves, (laughs) you know? Um, And so having partnership where we can go and, and ask that is 
transformative, especially when we're coming from relationships where the feedback we get is coming from blame or shame and saying, hey, this is you made me feel this way or you did this to me. It totally turns that on its head um, and really offers up kind of to your partner saying, hey, I want to understand how I am like being perceived and showing up in this relationship and what, what do you need? Um, how differently would our relationships be if, if that was welcomed and encouraged? That's yeah. certainly not been the experience that I had prior to the relationship I'm in now that was never, um, kind of part of that conversation, but truly the, some of the biggest, um, you know, powerful breakthroughs I've had have been a result of people telling me how I was experienced by them, um, specifically yeah. partners. It's groundbreaking. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Well, for those that are kind of in the throes of whether it's going through a breakup, wanting to uh, call in a partner, work more around any of the things we talked about, especially inner child work, because that's a fundamental piece that can really help you um, know yourself more. If you're unsure about what you want, uh, getting to know who you are is going to provide clarity around what you want. Uh, how can people um, learn more about you and your work and what you have coming up? Because um, I'd love people to, to be able to get more of 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 you and, and what you offer. Yeah, thank you. So October the 8th, we have my wife and I run an inner child workshops, two and a half day workshops. So it's Friday afternoon, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And that's amazing. Wherever you are in your life, uh, even if you've experienced healing and you're in a really healthy place, this workshop will change your life. It's one of the most amazing things that we do and we just absolutely love it. Um, and that's October. It starts October the 8th. And that's recorded as well. So if you can't make that live, which I suggest do your best to do that, it's recorded. And you're definitely, you know, comfort of your own home and something really special that happens being in that intimate space as well. And... Uh, uh, you can go to christinehassler.com slash child for, you know, registration and so forth. Um, that's what we have coming up immediately. That's like literally in the next, you know, week or two. Uh, and then we have many different programs that you can look at our websites for that. We have, uh, you know, particularly Be The Queen's an amazing program for ladies that are really looking to call in love and healthy relationships. Um, we have relationship workshops as well. And there's, there's a lot of information. You can go to my website, stephanosafandos.com, and you'll see all the service offerings and programs, you know, online, offline, live, retreats, all of that, that that we have available there as well, together and separately. Well, I cannot say enough good things. I've been through that inner child workshop. It has significantly impacted me and been a big reason why I'm doing this work now. So please, if you guys are interested in, in really doing that experiential work, taking it to the next level, be sure to check out that workshop and, um, everything else that, that Stephanos and, and Christine both are, are doing because it will change your life genuinely. Um, it's changed mine. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your work, your influence, your impact, your changing thousands of lives and um that that impact just continues to ripple so i appreciate you and honor honor you for being here and spending some time with us on the coachful podcast appreciate you thank you so much
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.